When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Awards Circuit Podcast. The big thing I needed to do for this was acknowledge spirit and create a space where I could invite it in. And for me, I wanted to be really intentional about the specific spirits that I wanted to be present. It was, of course, Jonathan's spirit, but it was also the spirit of my gay Latino ancestors who were erased from our history and who were replaced by white supremacy. And now I'm sitting here 37 years old trying to think of another gay Puerto Rican man that I could look up to that's an elder and it doesn't exist, even in narrative form. Latino actor and star Robin De Jesus found a way to channel the proper inspirations to inform his performance in the new film, Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Robin De Jesus about his experience working opposite Andrew Garfield in the film that chronicles playwright Jonathan Larson and how he created the landmark musical Rent. But first, our award circuit panel discusses Spencer being the Ricardos and the sheer number of screening events taking place around Los Angeles. It's all on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. It's Michael Schneider, also known as Body Mike, here <laughs> along with Clayton Davis. <laughs> oh, they're not going to have the context beforehand. That's going to be so great, though. Yep. Yeah. How are you doing, Body Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I, I just gave myself a new nickname. So, Jazz Tank, hey? Hello, Clip on Mike, Body Mike, whatever we're calling you. <laughs> <laughs> Go and the one and only Janelle Riley. I actually gave you that nickname, I would like to say. I, I want full credit for that. Yes, yes, you have the trademark. <laughs> um, so again, people actually can't see us because this is a podcast, this is audio, but uh, the three of you are repping your Spencer sweatshirts. Spencer! I am not. They're so comfortable, They're by the so, way. They're so soft. They are, yes. It's quality. And thank you to the people who sent this who recognize that not all journalists might be size small. Or mediums. Yes. Thank you. Yes. yes. Thank you very much. It Jazz, was so what, nice. What, 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 no, Jazz. I just want to say it was so <laughs> no, no. nice to get something that you don't drown in. Yeah. I, I mean, look, whatever. They did such a great job and they are cozy sweatshirts. Really cozy. In fact, I'm getting a little warm. <laughs> well, yeah. well, so, some of us. But what's more important so, than my comfort is to make Michael feel awkward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm fe- well, but I, all I say is this. Luke and Laura are my Spencer. Hashtag Luke and Laura are my Spencer. Aging yourself. (laughs) I don't know who this other Spencer is that you guys are talking about. but are my Spencers. (laughs) Exactly. I spend a lot of time at the mall. Or Spencer for hire. Ah, it's spelled differently. Yes, that's true, with an S. But... uh, Nonetheless, we tis the season, and I know all three of you have been busy working your asses off, moderating panels, getting out there, seeing the world, seeing people. So I want to first go around the room and, and hear about the highlights uh, for the week, because all three of you have had some amazing uh, experiences over the past week or so, moderating some some really cool stuff. Uh, so, Clayton, let's start with you, because I know I've seen a lot of selfies of you and uh, beautiful people. Yeah, um, it it was AFI week, so that was what really took up a good majority of the time. 
But along with that came a lot of uh, moderations for Ampus and SAG that included uh, The Lost Daughter uh, with Maggie Gyllenhaal, Dakota Johnson, Paul Mescal, and uh, Peter Sarsgaard. I got to give a good shout out about um, normal people to Paul, who's just really good as a person. He's a um, sweetheart. Mo- yeah. Moderated uh, Jockey with Clifton Collins Jr. at AFI. Also the documentary Who We Are, which is my favorite doc of the year. Moderated Swan Song with Mahershala Ali, which Janelle did as well at, an, at a separate one. He made me cry. He almost made me cry at mine, too. He ha- he has that Mahershala is a jerk. I, 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 was, I was very, I, I actually said that I was so proud of myself for getting through the Q&A without crying. And then on the last question, which was sort of a throwaway question, he just gave the most beautiful response. And I was like, oh, damn it. What was, what was the question? Well, it's, I don't want to spoil anything in the film, but I guess we okay. can, I guess we can it, talk about. It has something to do with the ending, I'm sure. Yeah. Cause that's, cause that's what I ended on. And then it like got really emotional. I mean, I think it's out there now what the film is about. So I think it's probably okay, but he plays dual roles because he's a man who realizes he only has weeks to live. And so he develops and spends time with a clone of himself to sort of take over for him afterwards. And he just talked about, um, see, now I'm going to get choked up talking yeah. about it. <laughs> just sort of making the most of your moment. And then I was telling Clayton earlier, the funniest thing was afterwards he said to me, he's like, you know, I really appreciate you seem like you're very present, you know, when we're talking, it seems like you're really listening. And I go, do you know who you are? <laughs> I was like, do you, like it, it is impossible to not listen to you. Everything that comes out of your mouth is poetry. And yeah, just just two beautiful performances from him in that movie. Yeah, so it was just a bunch of moderations, and then that, and then and then stupid Mahershala, Mahershala just making us feel sad. <laughs> but no, he's he's so, he's so great, and so like good. the movie had a, such a good week. And we'll get to AFI in a second. But Jazz, you you moderated a ton too. We shared Dune together. Dude. Dude. We did. Dune. Dune Belfast on Sunday. It was like you know, I think Janelle sent me a text a couple of weeks ago or she posted about it of like now our first world problem is getting from venue to venue yep. when one is in Burbank and it's like oh the other one's in Hollywood am I going to make enough you know have enough time to get from A to B but yeah I moderated Dune on Sunday with Denis Villeneuve and his makeup artist Donald Moat who is just I, I just want to hug him all the time he is like so fantastic and it was the first time those two, Denny and Donald, had, had sat down together alone. And just their chemistry, they've worked together four times and everything they talked about. I mean, the what's so great about the Dune q and I don't know if you've seen this too, Clayton, is like how packed those... I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah. All craft, uh, you know, all guild Q&As are, are pretty much full, given it's like four weeks into release. Yeah. I did one last week too. And I tweeted something about how, you know, they're still packing them in. We had a sold out audience and some person on Twitter replied like, well, that's what tends to happen when the director shows up. And I'm like, no, you don't know how empty these can be. Even with like a big film that hasn't been around for a while or like, you know, even with a director who's a pretty big name, like it is a huge testament to that movie that they are still packing them in. Yeah. And then I did Belfast with Kenneth Branagh and his crops and poor Ken. I mean, he, he had everything that day. It was, you know, deadline contenders and he, he actually, sorry, what, was the, what, what was that? What was that? Sorry, you can delete that, that out. And then he went, he actually took a, a tour around the, the Academy Museum and he loved it. And yeah, he almost, you know, anytime he talks about Belfast, you just want to sit there and cry because, um, yeah. Oh, wait, I didn't talk about my, oh, wait, just reminded me, I don't know how I didn't mention this one. So I moderated Power of the Dog last week with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Cody Smith-McPhee, and for the first time I met him in person, the perfect Jesse Plemons. Oh Uh, my gosh. He's so lovely. He is God of the universe. Uh, I want to oh, okay. be. I want to be his best weird. friend. I just, I just want to be his best friend. Like he is like he like I, I, I'm sure you guys share the same thing. Hollywood is not always a given that you're going to be a nice person or Quite whatever the, opposite, the case may I would be. Say. Yeah. Um, and with him, he's also very unaware how freaking talented he is, and just unassuming about like 
how much people love him and respect him. And I think that is like, I love that. It, like, he just eats humble pie all day. And yeah. Kirsten Dunst also just loves him to, to bits. And that, yeah, also they're adorable. Comes. Yeah. I love, love, love those, those, love those two. I'm uh pretty sad if they ever break up, but, uh, no, I, I don't, hope. they will never No, never. The, I can't have them break up, but they're going to direct a movie together as was revealed on our podcast. And they're going to direct together one day. So we have to see it. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's game night too. Though there were three things for me that uh, really stood out this weekend. I already mentioned Swan Song. Um, Tick, Tick, Boom premiered at AFI. Uh, Did an Academy screening, and wow, did they respond to it. I Also, the SAG screening, not only, like, people were applauding after the musical numbers. Um, You know, they were applauding when it started, when it ended. Like, I'll be completely honest with you, going in, I did not know if I would like this movie Mm -hmm. because I just don't know how much I can care about a guy who at age 30 thinks he's washed up. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, it was was so fantastic. It was so well done. Clayton, I know that you uh, were being reserved, um, saying that Lin-Manuel Miranda did a great job and that, you know, you, you felt like, you know, the directors can be a snobby branch. He that was a fantastic directorial yeah, debut. It was. Yeah, having seen many poorly directed musicals, that's how you do it. Yeah, I think I sat down there at the end and was like, "This was his directorial debut. It was stunning." And like you said, I mean, we saw it at AFI, and I went in with very low expectations. I by when MJ Rodriguez appears, I think. Eric Anderson, Nathaniel Rogers, and I applauded. And during Sunday, Lynn doesn't want us to spoil oh. it. I think I'd never, the theater geek in me just exploded glitter in the hole in, <laughs> at the Chinese theater because it was such a beautiful homage. And yeah, he, Andrew Garfield too. Fantastic. Fantastic. Best, best performance yet. And yeah. that, and I saw him in Angels in America. Like he is <laughs> so, oh, funny thing that happened during the Q&A. I asked him what his first job was in the business. <laughs> and Andrew Garfield said he did a Spanish Doritos commercial. And he made $2,000 and thought he had it made and then didn't work for like another year. Um, the woman who produced the Doritos commercial was in the audience that night. Oh, that's crazy. It's such a small world. And she came up to him and she was like, she's like, oh, I produced that Doritos company. He was like, oh my God, yes. And like, just, it's such a small freaking world. Wow. I wonder if that's online. Fine, go, go to online. YouTube. And, is it? Yeah. It is? Oh my God, I have to see it. <laughs> oh God. Um, sorry, if you, if I was No, no, no. Also no, no. Oh, you yeah. gave us a good segue into Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm just like kind of talking about. Like, yeah, talk about Tick, Tick, Boom about, then and then we'll come about, back to. About its drop. I mean, yeah, it premiered at AFI and it did. It, it landed. It, I yep. really believe it Big landed. Way. And musicals are not always a given. They come in with their back against the wall. People, this is like one of two genres that comes in with a predisposition of I don't like musicals or I don't like horror movies. Like it's just two, two of my really, favorites. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They come in with that. But God, like he he does it. Can, can I just say though, like side note, it makes me re get mad at Chris Columbus again for rent. I don't know that that was completely his fault. (laughs) It's it's not, but I have to just get mad at someone. Rent was very much of its time. (laughs) You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. But either way, the the movie's very well done. Andrew, I, I believe Andrew Garfield, true, true challenger to Will Smith. He's freaking great. If Will Smith manages to lose this season, because we we've all felt pretty confident about that, especially after closing AFI and getting the good reception it did, it's it's Andrew Garfield. It's a, it's a Eddie Redmayne playbook. Are they both um, dropping this weekend on Netflix and HBO Max? I think they are. Yes, they're dropping wow. on the same yeah. exact day. Same thing. Best actor weekend, everyone. <laughs> See, I'm with you. I don't think Will Smith had a really strong challenger till Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. Like, I was keeping my eye on Benedict Cumberbatch, who I still think could pull yeah, something off. Good, but yeah, yes. Good, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, and also, just quick standout, because he's on the podcast this week, Mr. Robin De Jesus. Oh, such uh, a great performance. Who made his first film appearance in the movie Camp mm-hmm. as a teenager? Remember? Oh yeah, he was in he's, Boys in the Band great. last year. Yeah, he is incredible here. Could be our fifth Latino ever nominated in supporting actor, which is a gross stat, mm-hmm. but it's a Thank common stat. Thank you for doing that. Seriously. 
Also AFI um, in the Best Actress race, I just want to jump over to Halle Berry because um, Bruce has been, you know, sort of mentioned. She plays an MFA uh, fighter. Um, I actually thought she was fantastic, and I thought she proved to be a really good director. And let me just tell you, that SAG audience loves her. I mean, they're the people who gave her, like, I think the first big award for Monsters Ball and made me realize that she was probably going to win the Oscar. Um, Everything she said, she's also just a great interview. You know, she talked about auditioning for Avatar. She talked about changing agents, you know, four years ago. She felt that she was sitting on a shelf wherever she was. She talked about how the role in Bruce was originally going to be played by Blake Lively. Oh. Which, um, not a yeah. good choice, by the well, way. Well, it was very different. It was a very different script, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they just they just loved her. And you may have seen my photo. She stayed, like, an extra hour mm. to take photos with everyone. And I would not underestimate her in this race. That Halle Berry's going places. Yeah. That is <laughs> such- 20 years later. With Denzel again and Will, it's like it's like the 2001 ceremony yes. all, all over again. <laughs> it's so true. We just need Russell Crowe to throw a phone again. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce is great. I'm moderating the Q and A with her tonight, so I'm looking forward to it. She's fantastic. I mean, she, yeah, just everything she said. Like people kept applauding, and I was like, okay, we're we're gonna be here for another hour if you applauded everything. Yeah. But also, yes, I agree. Yeah. She was just like so frank and honest. Yeah. I, I want to share in, in regards to audience response and like, you know, festival uh, over excitement is a real thing. Obviously we know that, but I, I moderated uh, King Richard at the DGA with Will and Anjanu Ellis, uh, 500 people there. And I called Anjanu Ellis out and there was a standing ovation that crowd like, through they came off the ground what have i been saying and, all then, and, then, did, yeah. and then didn't sit down for a good four minutes yes she wow. is your front runner i believe that yeah she, yeah. she is definitely a contender like she's it, listen supporting actress is the most competitive category but i think they are a good package deal and i think they're gonna go far and together. i would not underestimate sanaya sydney who plays venus williams please don't, please, please, i think please, she could get don't, in don't you lift my spirits like that <laughs> <laughs> That's going to hurt my feelings because I want her in so bad. But yeah. I think the only reason she isn't a given is because everyone knows Ingenue is getting yeah. nominated. Yeah. And yeah. they're like thinking, oh, they wouldn't pick two people from one movie. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I think they could. I also think King Richard, yeah. a big, big enough of a crowd pleaser as King Richard is. I could see John Berenthal getting into supporting actor, yeah. who is fantastic, by the way. I, I, <laughs> so, I, so, it was the first time, like, I mean, it was first. I, I saw that tell you right now. I, I've been saying it's top three, but it was when I looked in the room and I looked around and I said, Oh, this really could win Best Picture. Like, this oh, yeah. really mm-hmm. could do it. No one doesn't like that movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It might not be everyone's favorite, but everyone really it's likes the, it. It's the Belfast play. It's the same yeah. Belfast play. It's, it's, it's and liked. If I can, since I mentioned supporting actor, I just want to throw this out there as well. Bradley Cooper and Licorice Pizza. I don't care how small his role is. That is one of the best performances of the year and it should be recognized. He's so good in it. So good. He's so, so, so good. good. I, I wish he didn't pop up when, pops up when he does and then there's more time after him. Because it could have been the William Hurt play, pop up at the end of the movie, but you're an hour and 45 in and you realize you haven't seen him yet and then you see him and then the scene is fantastic, but then there's like another 20 minutes and that's what I think, like, sucks and hurts but i think but he could maybe he could i i'll, I'll love the, the academy for it but that's the, mm-hmm. the gameplay um also i think you know could be a spoiler in the best actress race alana hyam she got a really good response it was so funny at the q a i did with her and paul thomas anderson he paul kept saying these lovely things about her and she like couldn't look up and she yeah. was blushing and i was like you have got to get used to this <laughs> I was there at the Q&A. You did a great job. That's way. right. Thank you so much. I threw lettuce, but you didn't see it. Um, the, <laughs> uh, and then the last thing to wrap up, obviously, probably the most important thing, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Little story. Aaron what Sorkin being the Ricardos. Ooh, yeah. Here, every, every studio, listen to me very carefully movie, moving forward. Let everyone think that your movie is going to be a disaster. Let all of us think it. Like, don't correct us. Just say, yep. I always had faith in Nicole. I always had faith in her. And, like, I never understood people objecting to that casting. But And I don't know why I would have ever doubted Aaron Sorkin, who Mm. has never made a movie I haven't liked. But what a pleasant, pleasant surprise. What a joy. 
I know, right? I mean, we the three of us sat together during that yeah. film, right? And Mike was not we, there. Oh, sorry, Mike. Thanks for the <laughs> yeah, invite. Right. Again, thanks for the invite. Um, we were all wearing our sweatshirts. I think, <laughs> I think the reason why is generally when Sorkin has done his take on television, mm-hmm. Studio 60, which was god-awful. The newsroom, which in hindsight was kind of addictive. I mean, we all hate-watch the newsroom. Yeah. Um, but but it, there's always something a little off when Sorkin. I mean, I, and I enjoyed Sports Night, by the way. But oh, that's a yeah. lot. That's decades ago. Uh, but more recently, there always seems to be something a little off when Sorkin does his take on television. There's something just a little like off kilter, and you end up hate watching it. And I think that's what we all assumed, and that's why I'm still assuming because I wasn't invited to any screening. <laughs> um, <laughs> is the case of uh, you know th- this so. So prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Because it wasn't. Honestly, I think one of the problems tends to feel like I'm not saying definitely is there always feels like there's a sense of try hard sometimes with with some of his scripts. This did not feel try hard. This was in his pocket of like what he does well. It's it. I I saw someone say like this is very unsorkiny lie this is the what? most sorkin movie ever made it is. it's the yeah. sorkiniest it's the most yeah. sorkiniest movie ever yeah. made <laughs> but it works it's it plays yeah. to everything he does well i think this is his best script written since social network i think it's his best yeah. film as a director oh, it's dynamically sure. directed yes. it's yeah, yeah it has a style like yeah i i was really really impressed but to address the casting by the way because that seems to be always a big topic with nicole kidman Nicole Kidman, the physical, the Deborah Messing, Nicole Kidman split that's on the internet right now. Yes, Deborah Messing may have looked, may or can or does look like she could play Lucille Ball. Nicole Kidman doesn't necessarily look like Lucille Ball, but we're not looking for imitations here. We're looking for a performance. When she goes into the uh, the television show parts of the movie, I think she she nails it. She gets Lucy. She gets Lucy completely. And then when she's out of the TV show and she's just Lucille Ball, the woman, that's some we don't know that person. So that worked completely for me. I think that worked to her benefit. Again, when she puts her hair up and is Lucy, then you're like, oh, there I can see her. But when her hair is down, you're like, ah, that you don't know how to feel about it. But she like navigates seamlessly through it. And J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Jesus, my love, (laughs) the most perfect casting ever probably ever in the last like 20 years that he's playing Fred, uh, William Frawley. And then Nina Arianda as Vivian Vance. Like I want the world for her. I want an entire movie about her and that character. The whole ensemble is fantastic. Yeah. J.K. Simmons is a national treasure. That's it. And Tony, and Tony Hale, man. Like Tony Hale and Olivia Shawkat What's his next show? (laughs) Veep 2? I don't know. No, Mike, do you have a show coming up? (laughs) Tony oh, he's Hale? in the, the Mysterious Benedict Society. Oh, on okay. Disney Plus. Yeah. What else does he have coming up? Because yeah, you're right. It's it's time for another Tony Hale series. Yeah. He is. I want another Hale. one. Did he did he win once or twice during Beep? At, at least once. I know. I, I knew definitely yeah. once, but I didn't know if he won a second time. But yeah. But uh, being so the it's a, it's a cont- so I think it's a heavy contender. It's it's hard to feel like to get a gauge on like is it like a possible best picture winner and i would say yes, yes. because it's hollywood <laughs> um i bel- say but yes i go below the line to try to really fi- yeah. find the road for it i want it to win production design so bad mm. like those sets are incredible and editing is great alan baumgarten again with, who did charles chicago seven and daniel pemberton score give me all of it it's amazing. Like those and the hair and makeup the hair and makeup, hair and makeup too. is fantastic uh, by the way, do you know what J.K. stands for? No, J.K. Actually, Simmons. I never thought about it. What is it? <laughs> Just kidding, Simmons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jonathan Kimball. Really? And I know this because Professor Kimball was my uh, teacher at University of Oregon, um, who I believe is his cousin, related to him somehow. Yeah. So you, you so you're in the J.K. family. Oh, J.K. and I go way back. I was the first person to ever put him on the cover of a magazine. And with backstage, and this is this is how cute he was. He didn't know at the time where the Four Seasons Hotel was. He, I remember him having to call me for directions because it's confusing. It yeah. says South, yeah. but it's actually North. And like I was like this guy who had already at that point been around and done so much great work. I don't think he'd ever been to a junket before. Mm. 
Was this, yeah, this pre-Juno? This was definitely pre-Juno. It was around, he had just shot Thank You for Smoking. Because I remember Robert Duvall walked by and he's like, oh, I just did a movie with him, but I never met him. He was on a monitor. And yeah. And then like watching like how he blew up after that. And like, I always tease him now. I'm like, you know where the Four Seasons is now, right? <laughs> oh, and can I just say, he sent me flowers Aww. to thank me. Who does that? J.K. Simmons. No one. Who does yeah. that? J.K. Yeah. Simmons. The nicest well, guy. So whenever he plays he, he, these... Oh, I was just going to say, he just wants you to sign up for Farmer's Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> this was, pre, oh this was pre-Farmers also. Yeah, I think okay. he, was, he was the M&M at that point. He was the yellow was M&M, he? that much I remember. Yes, but he, uh, he was not uh, the Farmer's guy. <laughs> but you know what? Damn it, I'm going to switch my insurance just to support him. Yeah. Bop, 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 bop. So keep that out. Uh, but yeah, that, 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 I mean, that next on the docket is uh, Adam McKay's Don't Look Up screening this week. For is there an embargo first. on that? Will you be able uh, to social, social embargo lifts right after. Review embargo okay. is later. Okay, because I have lots of fun thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I'll be, uh, Jazz, you're going thir- tomorrow. No, you're going tomorrow. You and Wednesday, I are both going yeah. tomorrow. We're going just different times. Yeah. Uh, and we can't wait to be able to speak with Janelle about it. And then yes. uh, Mike, do you want to come? <laughs> You got a plus one? I do They're, got a plus uh, one. Mike, you want to come tomorrow night? Oh my god! Oh, it's it's a it's a bath, it's a bath, it's a bath to screening. So you get to you know put your you get some tea and you put uh, your pinky up. Hang no, out I have some to, I have to prep. Uh, so I am actually uh, uh, on Thursday moderating a morning show panel. Time oh. to the finale. So so I'll be uh, hanging have, out with Have you guys Reese watched and, the finale? Uh, Jennifer Aniston. I have. So, yeah. yeah, I love that no. show. So. Okay, just at a, is it better than last season or about on par? Lesser? I really loved last season, so that's setting a really high bar. But yeah. I, I think I think this season has been really strong. Billy Crudup, ugh. Oh, Billy, Billy Crudup. Billy's going to happen, right? Like, that's going to happen in lead, probably. That's got to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he has to go lead, don't you? I mean, uh, it's a straddler. I think, I think it's a straddler. Does. I think he does. It's a, I mean, every category is competitive, so yeah. that's, that's tough to say. I mean, he could go either, so I think it comes down to strategically where does it make Will sense. Will Juliana have to go guest? I believe mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Has right? she been in more than half the episodes? I haven't done the counts. Yeah. yeah. Me either. Mike, the count. you have to be counting right now every day. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's uh, film season. I'm on a break. Oh, exactly. I'm so, I'm so, oh, just because we're on the subject of TV, and I talked about it on the take last week, Cecily Strong on SNL. Yeah, that top, was amazing. Top five best moments, SNL history. Over forty years, and that I think that was top five best moments. And it I was, believe it was you fa- mean Goober the Clown, not Cecily yes. Strong. Well, yes. Well, no. What, well, she revealed later in Instagram yes. post that it was uh, she was it was her. But I I was moved by it, and now I now her Emmy can come. Like I know it was genius. Like, it was genius, it. and yeah, yeah, that definitely like that should put her on on the Emmy map. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, SNL's been good this season. It they, has. They've had some yes. Really. Strong episodes and and major John the Majors episode and not because of him but I think the I think they had such a good great week the week before John the Majors was just lesser then so I think it just paled in comparison but yeah I don't I think this is a pretty good season right. no I think murder it's, it's been strong <laughs> murder murder any season that has that uh, deserves love yeah um, real quick Paul Rudd sexiest man alive uh, did you watch the TikTok. Uh, of like him talking, making business cards, like yes, yes, I, I saw that. I also saw him on um, on uh, Colbert uh, when when they introduced it. And listen, I love Paul Rudd, yeah. but I mean, I, listen, I'll, he he. Listen, I that day that they named it, Jessica then threw on Clueless, and I said, "Oh, look, it's Paul Rudd. He looks exactly the same. He mm-hmm. does. He just has an age a day. He's always looked thirty. Yeah. Even yeah. when he was younger, he looked 30 and then he just stayed there. Right, right. When he was 20, he was 30. And now yeah. when he's 50, he's, he's 30. 30. Did yeah. you all know that Tony Goldwyn is 61? What, what? the F? What, right? What the F? <laughs> no, I, no. S- I said it in the QA. I said, guys, yeah. what, 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 it, why are we not discussing this? 61. It's, it's not. so weird to me. The guy, speaking of always looking 30. 
And it didn't compute in my head. I was thinking to myself, I was like, is, what is he? And then I was like, oh yeah, ghost. He's like 30. Ghost was, yeah. yeah, he's like 30. Yeah, ghost, ghost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like what was Mike's question? <laughs> oh, what do we think of Paul Rudd as a oh, sexist Paul, man I mean, live? I, I, I'll like, sure. Listen, people, I, I, I like some unconventional choices. Like, I don't know if that, I think yeah. it's entirely conventional. I think that's that's part of my problem. But again, I cannot say because I have the weirdest crushes. I um, was, was actually doing a, a career thing with Oscar Isaac yesterday, and somehow it came up that I had crushes on both Tim Curry and Raul Julia's kids as a kid, not when they were kids. Um, <laughs> and I was like, and he's like, oh, your crushes were my crushes. <laughs> <laughs> That is a very specific type, but it I can is. see I, it. It's a guy who looks good with a pencil-thin mustache. <laughs> if you can rock that pencil-thin mustache, I'm in. I'm, a, I'm actually going through the list. I was like, who like who have they chosen oh, over the years? Reggae Jean Paul. Do you, do you know who it started with? The new... Up- oh, yes. I do. Mel Gibson? The mo- yeah, the new yeah, director of Lethal I had that five. issue somewhere. Yeah, oh the very gosh. first ever Sexiest Man Alive. I remember when it was Nick Nolte. And then the and- next year was Mark Harmon. <laughs> Mark Harmon, I remember that. Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin, then JFK yeah. Jr., Sean Connery. Look, I got Rose. this issue every year, every year when I was growing really? up. So I remember these, yep. That's I was like, Nick that's Nolte. who society. Oh, wow. I just said Nick Nolte. I, know, I, I, I was like, I was like, this is this is who society is dictating. Oh, and then they did the combo of Richard Gere and Cindy Crawford. The sexiest couple alive. That timed well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so it's always been a little questionable. So fine, G- give it to him. Uh, real quick before we go, uh, things to watch. Uh, I enjoyed Cowboy Bebop, the the live action. I've, I haven't watched it. Is it, it like like is it fun or is it like just like it's fun? It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and, and I know a lot of folks who love the anime are not happy with a live action version. I think it, you're just you're never gonna please everyone. But if you sort of just take it on its own merits pull back from worrying about whether you know it's it's uh you know a tribute to the anime or not just enjoy it it's fun uh great casting john cho fantastic um so recommend that over the weekend that's that's my pick for for this weekend michael what's on your hat northwestern medill did you go to northwestern yes i didn't know that hasn't like half the newsroom (laughs) came from northwestern yeah Mm -hmm. yeah though there's been periods of time where like we even like uh, same dorm. There was like three of us at Variety at one point. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, is there is there anyone that went together at the same time? Um, yes, actually, uh, this is boring. Everyone, so maybe <laughs> we should just end it, and then I'll just tell you offline. But uh, <laughs> yes. So on that note, yep. Kristen Stewart, she's Spencer. our guest. Sir. She talks about it all. Talks about Mike and all his shenanigans. <laughs> Luke and Laura Spencer. Yeah, Kristen Stewart did go to uh, elementary school with Elizabeth Wagmeister. Oh, and then that's adorable. and then she left to go do Panic Room, and then never came back. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you mean Kristen, not uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And years later, Elizabeth would do the take with, with some dude. Some yeah. dude. Some it dude. all comes full circle. So, some dude. Yep. So, all right, guys. Peace out. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. After the break, Robin De Jesus, one of the stars of the new Netflix feature, Tick, Tick, Boom. From Los Angeles, this is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, Tick, Tick, Boom, stars Andrew Garfield as rent playwright Jonathan Larson. Garfield's Jonathan Larson is sensitively constructed and harmoniously executed through his sweet arrangements and vocal inflections. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. That I have spent the last eight years of my life writing. He's getting out. You're going to be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. 
and rewriting. Can I hear it? Any day now. Eight years! And the time keeps ticking. You need to ask, are you letting yourself be led by fear or by love? Fear! A hundred percent fear! Providing a palpable balance and an emotional anchor to the story is Tony nominee Robin de Jesus as Jonathan Larson's best friend and roommate, Michael. The Latino breakout star could ride a gilding wave into the supporting actor category if the film's magic is received warmly, as it's been so far since it debuted at the AFI Film Festival. De Jesus's Broadway credits include In the Heights, Wicked, and of course, Rent. I recently spoke with Robin De Jesus about Tick Tick Boom and what the project meant to him. We began by discussing what it was like to be part of a project that honored Jonathan Larson. Well, for starters, it was an honor. I was 14 years old when I discovered Jonathan Larson, and partially the reason I remember that moment was because someone showed me the album cover to Rent. And I saw all the squares, and I saw all the little black and brown faces that were in a Broadway show, and I didn't really know that anyone had put us in a show as black and brown faces. And that did something. I was like, oh, there is there is some space. It might be a little limited, but it, but it, exi- it exists, you know? It can, it can widen over it, time. Yeah, we're still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, everything's not fine. Wait, everything's fine, right? Like, <laughs> nothing, okay. Nothing's going wrong, right? No. Uh, but yeah, uh, John, I mean, listen, not a lot of people are familiar with Tick, Tick, Boom. And I, I was familiar with the show because also I'm from New York and, you know, we, it's born in us, but um, a lot of people will be surprised that this is not him making rent. This is him being an artist mm-hmm. in 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 New York City. Um, and you play Michael, his best friend. Uh, now this is about his life, but sort of with inflections of does Michael really exist? Is there a Michael that you knew of or Ooh, know of? Is there a Michael that I? Uh, I think there are a few people in my life, uh, Michael, in the sense of like the person that tethers yeah. someone. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. know, the collective, the family, my best friends. Um, people always laugh. Like whenever I'm feeling myself, I have a group <laughs> of folks that'll be like, they celebrate me feeling myself, mm-hmm. but then they'll have those moments of be like, oh, okay, come back down. firma. Did you, what was your preparation for portraying Michael in Tick, Tick, Boom? Yeah. Uh, what, I, it's hard to like talk about like the research for the movie because obviously the artist is no longer with us. So how did you prep for this? The big thing for me was, believe it or not, getting off book. And I, but, but, but that's because something as simple as getting off book was the first thing I wanted to do because Stephen wrote such a good screenplay. And the thing about Stephen and how he wrote Michael was that there was me on the bone. There was like, I could see all the beats that I was supposed to hit and that there was space for more beats, which is also dope because no one else had given me that opportunity before. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I came in hungry. I came ready to eat. And then, you know, in learning the lines, I'm I'm doing all my my character development and stuff like that. But, But the big thing I needed to do for this was acknowledge spirit and create a space where I could invite it in. And for me, I wanted to be really intentional about the specific spirits that I wanted to be present. It was, of course, Jonathan's spirit, but it was also the spirit of my gay Latino ancestors who were erased from our history and who were replaced by white supremacy. And now I'm sitting here 37 years old trying to think of another gay Puerto Rican man that I could look up to that's an elder and it doesn't exist even in narrative form. I'm so glad you said that because I write often about diversity and representation, but also I talk about the talent pool and the pipeline of the next generation. And what I mean by that is when we lose someone like Raul Julia Mm. that like rippled Mm. through Latino actors because we've spent years looking forward, like who could be the next Raul Julia and in white culture and white actors, when they lose a legend, there's like 50, 60, mm-hmm. 300 guys, yeah. and mostly guys, uh, mm-hmm. ready to, to jump into that space. So how do you feel about Latinos getting 
this opportunity to be more present because it's still so there's still so much work to do. I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> well, the first sure. thing I want to acknowledge is I want to give Raul love because he's so important to us and to our culture. But one of the things that I respect so much about about him was that you know Raul came from an upper middle class background, and in that it's so there's there's great privilege. You know there 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 was a sensibility to the art form that he had that was was less working class than other folks, right? But he never forgot us. He was always about the people. And so the beauty that he could, he could check his own privilege and that he could participate in the collective in a way that wasn't elitist. That, that's what always makes me proudest about him. I think second half of what you said was about what we need to do in order to create space for the rest of us, yeah. right? To make sure that the future is still full of Latinos. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we gotta be vocal. I think we gotta be willing to lose work. I think we have to be willing as, as Latina artists to like show up to places and say, I can't put up with certain things. And I think there's a navigation in that. I think people are in different places in their career. So like for me right now, I sometimes feel like in the film world, I don't get to have as much of an effect as I would necessarily like, like in theater. I feel like I can be more vocal there. Um, but at at the same time, there's something downloading right now, so mm -hmm. I apologize. I'm just letting myself receive it for a second. Mm. Sorry, I know no, it's like no. slow, but I feel nope. it coming. Let, let it come. There's this thing happening right now. We're talking about diversity. And the reason I take that beak because I want to make sure I'm not being harmful with this conversation is because white supremacy is presenting itself in so many ways. And it's lurking and creeping in a way that wants to divide the rest of us people of color. It wants to make us think that there's this one lane for all of us and that we all Asian folks, non-Latino black folks, Latino black folks within Latino folks, that we all got to fight for that one cookie. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I keep telling folks is like when it comes to our history and the fact that our land is fertilized with the bodies of natives, which include Mexican folks, which include Taino folks, and then it was built by black folks, I feel like there's a certain attention that needs to be paid there because of the history and the contributions of, that they've made to this country. So people are talking about diversity and they think that that only means black folks. And then they're putting the rest of us up in this place of scarcity. And what I'm saying is black folks deserve that lane. They deserve that space. They've given enough. We need multiple lanes. Stop making us think that it's black folks stealing stuff from us because that's not the case. But you want us to believe that so that we can have infighting mm -hmm. and not work as a collective. <sighs> so, thank you. For, you gave me a great segue to <laughs> one of the points uh, that I've... I, Representation, when when I talk about it, I'm gonna speak for myself. We're not all talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about the same thing. Uh, Oscar Isaac recently uh, guest here. Shared, love him. Love him too. And uh, too good looking for his own good. Just put that out there. <laughs> Just like out there. I hate. Like I hate that he made me want to leave my wife. Like it was like it was. I, <laughs> I saw it in real time. True, true story. I was talking to my wife. I was talking to my wife, and uh, I after our interview, I went up to her and I said, "You are never allowed to meet Oscar Isaac in person." And she said, "Why?" I was like, "Because you're going to leave me for him." <laughs> and she said, "That's not fair." I was like, "Listen, I can't meet him in person either. I will leave you." And that's a really rough conversation to have right now. <laughs> and she was like, "Fair." And then we just went about our separate ways. So, uh -oh. Oscar Isaac, uh, in our interview, talked about. Uh, really brought my point to life. First time he ever saw, the first thing that Raul Julia ever did here in America was Betrayal on Broadway by Harold Pinter. Mm. He was a Latino doing a British accent. Mm. It wasn't a Puerto Rican role, even though he, what he got from Puerto Rico, but he got to play a role because. And when we're talking about representation, yes, I love being Latino and black and writing about Latino black issues. But it's about 
saying that we can write, express, depict all types of roles and, and items. I say that to you because when I, <laughs> the study came out about Latinos not being represented in uh, film, less than 5% in the last 13 years and use the term Latinx. And on Twitter, there was a thousand comments talking about stop using the word Latinx. And they all argued about it. And I was like, guys, I just told you that there's no, that we're not anywhere, but you're going to fight about this. Yep. What? I would say, why is that? Well, why is that? And what and what can we do about that? I, I think we forget the importance of words. I think we forget etymology. How do you, words are spells, and we're casting them all the time, right? And so... I, I want there to be like a change in the culture that includes the, the language. Because if I look at an iPad and I zoom in on it, I see all these things that I didn't see before, right? So when it comes to the race conversation and, and, and ethnicity and, and how we define ourselves, how we identify, of course it's going to change. Because we're downloading so much information and now it's happening at a faster rate and now we have more people who are on board and who wanna be of service and contribute to that conversation. And so I wish that instead of being triggered by like a new word that represent us, that represents us, that we could be like, whoa, how beautiful, we're getting better, we're healing, we're growing. We have this new word, not because we have this burdensome responsibility of having to use it, but because we're bettering ourselves and yep. being more inclusive and bringing in people. There's also the fact that when it comes to Latinx and Latine, it's about gender and it's about patriarchy. And mm -hmm. it's about us, us being triggered by other people's authenticity. Us, us not accepting people as they are. I had a therapist used to say to me that when you're a really authentic and honest person, you're perceived as weird. Mm. That shit is true. It is true. <laughs> That's why I consider myself the weirdest guy alive. So <laughs> I, I, I can I can feel that. And it's it's about identification. Like I, I don't say I'm Latinx when I talk to someone about it, but if someone else does, that's fine too. Just like we are in this changing world where gender identity is is fluid. Like so is our culture and how we identify. And it, and it's just I feel like it's but also, let's not act like this is new. Let's not no, act like indigenous cultures have been acknowledged multiple genders for centuries. This is yeah. not brand new information. Yeah. It's it, well, it's new to people that feel like or that have social media. But yes. like, yes, it, it is something that is that people are finding out. And but again, it's just we're 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 counting the pennies and watching the dollars fly by. Like it's just that it's it's what's happening here. And also. As a Latino, I think you're going to probably recognize this as well. Latinos need to write our own house. Like mm. We have our own problem with colorism and racism that it's a tough conversation. It's going to be really uncomfortable to have, but we need to have it soon. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's so behind when you listen to La Mega, when you listen to the radio. It's I like... love that you said La Mega, by the way. <laughs> I, I swear to God, yesterday at a party, I said, no, and no one knew what I was talking about. Oh, isn't it suck when I, you can't share oh, that? Oh, my God. I love you, Robin. Oh, God, I love God. you. No, because it's true. It's like that thing is like, is it immediately there's it's like a us. cultural defining thing. Yeah. And you're like, yes, I know it's what that us. is. And I said it and no one laughed. And I was like, oh, it's because you guys are monsters. I forgot yeah. what I was yeah. going into. Uh, col colorism. Colorism. Yeah. Word, yes. word, thank yeah. you. Yes. It's like, okay, so my my grandparents on each side, I have a black grandparent. I have a white grandparent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it was, it was so interesting clocking that on my maternal side, my black grandmother, and I would, I want you to know that I'm not saying this to speak ill of you at all, but simply to like help us heal, heal collectively. She was someone who knew that in her life, identifying and being black equaled violence, being from a colony. And so she in her trauma had to run from that blackness. My grandmother used to say terrible things. I, I, I call it like Sealy syndrome because she would say, I know I'm black and I'm ugly. Mm. And, but I refuse to marry someone darker than me because I won't raise coal for children. And so and now for me in my life, there's a trauma that I received from her. And even in all my light skinness, because because that is uh, when I present you would you wouldn't know. Soy how I eat though. I'm how about you know, but 
she taught that to the rest of the family, that self-hatred and that anti-blackness. Because for her, and it's not an excuse, but it is an explanation for the fact that for her, she's like, that's how I run away from violence and I don't want you to experience that. So I'm going to lighten us para mejorar la raza, to better the race. That was the thought. It wasn't the truth. It wasn't, and times changed. And so it's like now we're all just trying to undo those teachings that we learned from our elders, many of whom, let me word this correctly, many of whom were colonized in a way that the white physical presence of white supremacy didn't have to be in the room for their work to be in effect. Because to me, the thing about white supremacy that's most dangerous is when it presents in thought. Because at least when it's physical, you know what it is. Yeah, because you can see it. You can see it. But when it's, it's sneaking around back here, like that's where things get dangerous. And so until we, we begin to undo that and really, really question ourselves and question the people that we love and maybe recognize that they were faulty, yeah, then we can work past it. And you can still love them. And you still like recognize that we all know that we're not perfect. And we also need to just allow open space for that dialogue yeah and also leave space for people to learn because like people don't know like especially when we talk about afro latinos like it's like you're you're black or latino they don't see like the overlap like <laughs> like, like guys like we we're it's it's both black lives matter is us too uh-huh. and no one like well, no, black liberation no. is everyone yeah liberation. it's just, yeah like come on. all right yeah all right, we're going to, all right, all right. but you are you, you got it. No, okay. Um, tick, tick, boom. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. This Who's guy. He? This guy. Oh, some, some dude that's making movies all the time. <laughs> um, his directorial debut. Five projects this year. Unheard of <laughs> in Latino culture. Um, Why and, do they give me the giggles? I know. Like, it's just, because it, it's, it's, and as, as, listen, it's great. And I, I love him. And I'm so glad for his, his success. When there was the surrounding backlash around uh, in the Heights regarding Afro-Latinos being yeah. present, which I believe Lynn spoke to brilliant, brilliantly after and saying, like, you know, I, I hear you. I will do better in my next project. Yep. It spoke to, again, why are we laying the entire existence of Latinos on the shoulders of one man? Oh, can I just share one yeah, thing go, personally? Please. When that was going down... Ooh, that was rough. Yeah. And the internal fighting and like the way white supremacy was crossing his arms and smiling. Mm-hmm. And the way also that they made us the deliverers of their message. The fact that then they had us acting real light skinned and then not listening to our black Latinos. And I, I, I was proud of Lyndon. This gets complicated, y'all. I don't mean to trigger anyone. I'm just trying to work through it. I, I was proud of him because I felt like he took it and he, he did listen and it proved that not everyone gets canceled. Mm-hmm. Everyone's out here all scared. White folks are scared. They're so scared of making a mistake. Of something that doesn't exist, by the way. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, then come correct when you get called out. You're mm-hmm. not, I, I, don't, I don't think of you as being racist until I see your reaction when you get called out on racist behavior. Mm-hmm. When, when you double down or you want to hide, now I'm like, now you're a racist because you're trying to gaslight me. Lynn didn't gaslight us afterwards. And so I just wanted to like... I, I told them, I said, I, I'm, I'm proud of you for handling it the way you did and accepting that responsibility. And I said, I know this may sound annoying, but I just wanna, I wanna tell you that none of this would have been possible if it wasn't for the fact that the movie was so important to us. Yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that we want what's best for us and we're having this moment. So for black Latinos, it's like, of, of course they took this moment to be more vocal because they've been talking about it for a minute and no one's been listening, but now there's an, there is an audience. Yeah. So the the criticism is also a sign of the success yeah and and i think it's just we got triggered and we're hurt well it was also the first latino movie in 26 years since selena in 1995 like we don't see this often yeah ever you know so yeah there was a lot of um but everybody's hurt yeah yeah that's i think that's a great point we are i think everyone is Do, do you where, where, where can we heal? Where does the healing come from? Mm. Where do you see it? I mean, I see, I see the healing in, in the questioning of oneself. I see the healing in 
truly connecting with folks that have different lived experiences than us. Because you, even in our families, you meet siblings who have completely different experiences. You have like, I come from a multiracial family, so we got Mad Hughes, and mm-hmm. I know that I've seen households where a dark-skinned sister has a different experience than a light-skinned brother, even though they have the same parents. Mm-hmm. So there's like, it's it, it's a fact, y'all, that the pigmentocracy is in existence. So we got to question ourselves, and we have to accept the fact that we could actually be wrong. Who like, like when we're having, we we have to go into these conversations, accepting that we might be incorrect and that yeah. we might learn something. So or some we, or we may not have all the information. Like it's listen, learn. Yep, I'm all for it. Um, so because I'm the film awards editor here at Variety, I do have to ask you this, and you can give the great generic answer, but <laughs> I just need to put it out there for you. Um, tick tick boom, you are incredible in it. Uh, I, one of the best performances I've seen this year. Also from Andrew Garfield. Let's talk about him. Yeah, uh, that Garfield. flower's beautiful. Well, I met his father. And it was the most... I've never been afraid to meet anyone in my life. And I was afraid to meet him because I don't meet the parents of the people I talk about. So I was like, oh, God, did I say anything? I was like running through stuff. That's so Latino. I, I, so what do you want to I was like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. I was like, I was like, hello, sir. Like, I called yeah. sir. I put my head down. Like, I was I was like retracted. It was, <laughs> I, I learned something about myself that day. But um, I, I believe that, oh, sorry. I believe that you are in the conversation for an Oscar nomination. You would be the fifth Latino ever nominated for a Best Supporting Actor award. Interestingly, um, it's been 10 years since we had a Latino nominated in Best Actor, and we actually might get one this year with Clifton Collins Jr. and Jockey. So I have this dream that's gonna be the both of you there together and all the Latino-ness just like taking it all in. Um, what does a moment like that sound like and this and listen you've you've been nominated for three tonys can't wait for you to win that too but what would that feel like to have that uh distinction on your imdb page (laughs) uh as i exhale well first of all can we just take a moment can we just take a moment to go that you actually had that you read that (laughs) like that it's in existence that it's out in the air for the collective yeah like that we get to have that conversation, a conversation that we deserve to be having prior to my existence. Um, I also just want to point out there's an accent on your you in Jesus. I just been, yes. been trying to like Jesus. really educate people on like <laughs> the Jesus is good, but the Jesus, the Jesus is stronger. Yes, it is. Yep. I think my ancestors would appreciate yeah. that. Please and thank you. Yeah, um, what it would mean for me? I mean, it's a dream come true. It's, it's something that I've, I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that it's something that I've wanted for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I will also tell the universe this. I have conditions on that if it wants to send it my way. I ha- the first time I got nominated for Heights, I did spiral a bit. Like there was something about like my dreams coming true at the age of 23 mm-hmm. that I don't know that my psyche could have handled. I do know and affirm that I am in a significantly better place right now. I feel I do feel tethered. I feel rooted. I feel centered on my ancestors and what my intentions are. But what we do in this business is not human. It's not normal. And and so like to be on a platform, it's just like it's a lot of energy and it's a privilege. I welcome that and affirm that coming to, to being becoming my reality, but I want it to come with mental health. I want it to come with an opportunity for me to give back and to be of service and to be used. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um because there's, it's, it's so much bigger than us. It's so much bigger than this conversation. And um, we deserve better. Yeah. I'm, I'm just really glad that I get to have, you know, coming with this information, there's not very, you know, Latinos representation and entertainment is, thing, is one thing. Representation in journalism is another. Mm. I, I can't recall too many... It can't just be my Daniel Hosa. It can't just be my Daniel Hosa. That can't be it. <laughs> I love like, her. Yeah, but like, yes, I, I just, I, I love that. And 
two Boricuas from the East Coast, being able to sit here and have a frank conversation makes me just feel great. Same. But I'm done with the serious stuff. I want to have some quick, fun questions for yeah. you. Uh, do you mind that I just record? I'm just going <laughs> to put it for you. Um, because... I have vowed to do this for all time because I don't get to interview many Latinos and I will interview so many for the rest of my life yep. I'm putting it out there. Yep, I affirm that. Okay, Robin de Jesus, do you keep pots and pans in your oven? <laughs> yes, of course I do. <laughs> pots and pans, mm. yep. Um, the one Spanish meal you would have before you died what would you what would be on that plate? Gandinga. Really? I'm I'm a hibaro inside. Like I'm mm. I'm like Avatar. We don't throw away <laughs> any part of the animal. We respect that thing. It died. And like I know that some people are triggered by that because they're like, it's all about this Gandinga is like a scarcity meal, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But I Gandinga to me is first of all, it tastes delicious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Gandiga to me, yeah. it, it like it it tastes amazing, but it's also about our ingenuity and our history. Gandinga is about it's the pride that we got scraps, but mm -hmm. we did something with that. We made something out of nothing. We made something out of something that was being rejected. So, so it's like, it's a celebration of how amazing we are. Yeah. <laughs> if you could have a conversation with one Latino actor or actress, living or dead, who would you want to just have a good 30-minute combo with? You know what, Raul? Mm. It is Raul because there's something about him that vibrates for me. There's something about him like... I remember hearing someone say I was taking a, I was taking a class in in like a Shakespearean text, and they talked about how when he rehearsed, you know, he would take whatever if it was like two households. Boy, yeah. I'm all making something I can't think. Yeah. He would be like two fucking households, la doji, one in dignity. <laughs> like he would do he he when it came time to the actual performance, he would do it as written. Mm -hmm. But he would do this thing where he would say the words the way he would say them, going in and out of the text, just so that he could know what it felt like to use the text. But also the feeling of how he would use, how he would say the same thing with his own words. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, sure does. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like I'm fascinated by so many things yeah. about him. Yeah. Um, if you're driving down the street in New York City, what song would be blasting out of the car? Mi mayor venganza será. Said, uh, I gotta go to Lono because that's yeah. too high right now. That is the so my sister and I we have there's two songs that we listen to on every road trip, mm -hmm. and one is La India, and the other one is um, is Who Can I Run To? That's like that's the other one, and we always like fight over who's gonna go for the high note midway. But those that's it. Uh, last question for you. Thanksgiving mm. is uh, very close by. What? meat is on that plate for you uh, at Thanksgiving? I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I think the diaspora might be disappointed. The pernil. Mm -hmm. People aren't eating as much pork in the family no more. So we don't make pernil as, we don't make pernil as much as we used to. That's what a stroke feels like. <laughs> no, it really does. Like right now, we are the anomaly in that sense for the Puerto Rican family. We've put aside the pernil. We do still eat pork, don't get me wrong. Um, and my mom does have chicharrón day. Like mm, that okay, is like okay. chicharrón. Okay, okay. Chicharrón day is always there. But for whatever reason, it was just like, it was like, there's already so much eating happening. And so like, to add the pork, to, to add the pernil specifically, it, maybe that's a bit much. I think my family would find it interesting to understand that ribs are pork, though. Because we always have ribs okay. as a substitute, even though nobody wants to eat pork. That's, that's fair. <laughs> they fool themselves. That's fair. Uh, empanadas or acapurias? Alcapuria. Ooh. Alcapurias in our family, yeah. Coqui Empanada de pizza. Coquito or cerveza? Coquito. Coquito's where it's at. Malibu rum or alizé? How dare you, uh, Malibu rum? Thank you. My favorite drink is the Malibu Bay Breeze, and I will own Yo, that till I die. Until I die, I order it. I go to every party. <laughs> In L.A., they don't have Malibu's on a given here. Really? Yeah, I, I've gone really? to every party, and I, I it becomes a little embarrassing. I'm like, do you have Malibu? They're like, no. They got like, Bacardi. I'm like, oh god, okay. Yo, in those moments, I want you to go. That's discriminatory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <It's> discrimination. <laughs> um, and uh, last question for you: When's the last time you've been to Puerto Rico? And what would you want people to know about Puerto Ricans that they mm. don't, that they may not know already? 
Yeah. I went to Puerto Rico two months before the shutdown. I went back, and that was the longest break I'd had in not going. I hadn't been in six years. I used to. I grew up going every single year. Yeah. But it's like my mom came back to the mainland. My grandma had passed. Some relatives moved to Tennessee. Mm. Who knew there was Puerto Rico, Tennessee, and Florida? <laughs> so we just yeah. weren't going back. And I missed it. I needed it. It was that. That was amazing. Um, I think the thing that I want people to know is that Puerto Rico is not full of lazy ass people. Puerto Rico is not full of folks who don't uplift themselves. It's not full of people who don't who are lazy and don't even grow their own food. There is a food sovereignty movement happening. There there are children from the diaspora returning to the motherland. And so we have such a desire to be self-sustainable and we have the means. But the corruption of being a colony keeps getting in the way of our success. So don't buy the bull that we can't that we're not doing the work ourselves. Some of you mother flowers aren't allowing us. Mm. What are you working on next? That's how we're going to end it. What, what's coming next? When do I get another Robin de Jesus? Well, I was film? supposed to do a play. Okay. And it's not happening now. Who, who do I need to text? Who do I need to well, talk to? No, but it's... it's <laughs> Are you good? No, I was supposed to do a play. Mm-hmm. I'm not anymore. It was supposed to be two plays. One of which is not happening for reasons you can imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other one at the time is not working out right now. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm free... Right now, for for you're, next year, you're available. Is what I'm you're saying. I'm you're a, very I'm a, available. I'm very available, but but there's something that I really want. Mm. My best friend Dominic Colon, Bronx Puerto Rican playwright writer, has we're working on some stuff. Okay. But there's a play that we want to do called The War I Know, and it's 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 a play about the AIDS epidemic and centering the Black and Brown community of the Bronx mm. that was erased from that narrative. You know, because that that was also colonized. <laughs> and so yeah. it's, it's, it's a trilogy and yeah. it's really beautiful. It's really funny. And like it's it's probably the thing that I want to do most. I'm also on this really beautiful show that Nikki Lopez wrote called uh, Sebastian of the Seas. It's a, a cartoon on Nickelodeon about a Puerto Rican kid and his coqui and they're pirates in the Caribbean and okay. all their, their adventures. And I play one of the one of the like fun villains. And it's really cool. I am. So excited. Listen, <laughs> when Hollywood is ready to make the Chupacabra horror film, I'm like waiting for you to do it. But thank you for taking this time with me. Uh, congratulations and thanks for being you. Yo, no, word. Thank you. And, and it, like the respect is mutual and love. That's Robin De Jesus, one of the stars of Tick, Tick, Boom, in select theaters now and now streaming on Netflix. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Janelle Riley, Jazz Tanke, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.